And they said, we have a, a member here that was in your seminars three, four years ago. And I got to tell you about her transformation. At the time, she started her journey at 65 years old. She's on 16 medications. She's 365 pounds. And she wants to have lunch with you when you come down. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, tell me more. What if you could change your health outcomes? What if you had control over your health? And again, when we talk about COVID and we talk about health in the United States, mental health, physical health, um, how, imagine if you could change that. And one of the things that we like to talk about, the real key to improving our health in the United States and around the globe is to get back to the basics of how we rest and how we eat and move. And it's not fair to our healthcare professionals to walk into their office with broken sleep, digestive health problems, high blood pressure, hormonal imbalances, and expect to be fixed in a 12 to 15 minute visit. So that's kind of what I want to talk about today, that we all need to take more ownership in our health and work together with our healthcare professionals. And the answer is not in trying to make our healthcare system more efficient. The answer is getting our people healthier and everyone must t- play their part. Now, think about this for a second. Why don't people think they have control of their health? And when we sit down and pe- talk to people, we bring groups in, do webinars, live events. I always talk a lot about medical illiteracy. But when we don't feel like we have the knowledge or we can't ask the right questions, we're not getting that outcome we're looking for. So think about that, medical illiteracy. We must be smarter when it comes to our health. And I think medical illiteracy has never been greater than it is today. Why do we know so little about our medical world? When I was in graduate school, I took one class on nutrition, just one. I was an adjunct professor of the College of Osteopathic Medicine at Michigan State University, and there was very little training on sleeping and eating and moving. So when you think about in the medical world today, why do we know so little? Why, do we know the, why don't we know the cost of a colonoscopy or the cost of medications for type 2 diabetes, blood pressure, cholesterol? I just had my blood test done, and I was asking the phlebotomist that I'm going to make sure I got a homocysteine checked. And the phlebotomist, believe it or not, really didn't know what that meant. So we had a conversation while I was getting my blood drawn about what homocysteine is, and it's a great indicator for heart disease, especially for women. And she really never knew what it was. And here she is, a phlebotomist drawing blood, but really doesn't understand it. So imagine if, if she didn't know what it was, how the average consumer, and when you think about that, um, we don't know, like if you looked at the diaphragm and breathing, how it can quiet the mind and relax the body. It's a skill. So it's the fastest way to calm the mind, relax the body, is changing how you breathe because the diaphragm connects to the vagus nerve and it shuts down the sympathetic nervous system and sim- stimulates the parasympathetic nervous system. So again, back to we just know, don't know a whole lot about this. And one of the things I'd like to mention real briefly is that is it the lack of knowledge that keeps, keeps us in the dark, taking more control of our health? I think it is. I think it is that lack of knowledge that keeps us um, from being thriving and know where we're at. And one of the things we always like to discuss that 
Nobody knows your body better than you. But we need to be taught about how to listen to the body and how to care for the body. But again, learning that your body's always talking back to you and we need to listen. So again, I think that's the beginning is we don't know a whole lot. That's a medical illiteracy. And then um, asking better questions because in the question reveals the darkness. And again, I think we've been in the dark for many, many years about our health. But when you start being curious and asking these questions, you know, I had a gentleman a while back that had hiccups and I talk about it in my new book and he had hiccups for two and a half years. Can you imagine that? Hiccups for two and a half years. And I started getting into the deeper questions and I was asking about his stress levels. He said he was a pretty stress, stress guy. And then I asked him about, you know, so tell me about the diaphragm and your breathing. And he had had no idea what I was talking about. And a big part of hiccups is the, the diaphragm is spasming. And so nobody ever talked to him about the diaphragmatic breathing and how it helps with the vagus nerve and relaxing the diaphragm. The list goes on. But again, back to, and then I dove into some other questions about what he was eating or not eating. And when he brought up that he was on a high-protein diet, I went even deeper. So tell me, what does that mean? Well, he eats lots of meat, protein bars, very little carbohydrates. So what does that mean? He said, well, I haven't eaten a fruit in over six years. Ancient grains, potatoes, small salad maybe a few times a week, but that's it. No fruits for the last six years, no potatoes, no oatmeal, nothing. And so nobody ever really explained to him that his body was too acidic. He was on a schizophrenic medication. He was on a, a acid blocker, a muscle relaxer, sleep medication. Guy was just struggling big time, but nobody ever uh, talked to him about some of these little simple things that really could impact his life. And long story short, six months later, his hiccups disappeared. But that's when we, we have to be more curious. So why is my blood pressure too high? Or why is my sleep broken? Or why does my body ache all the time? What is it? But when we become more curious asking these questions, you start uncovering some of the answers. So again, if you're trying to create a new future for yourself, again, would you like to change your health outcomes? Because one of the things I love to talk about, you can stumble into bad health. We've all done this before. We can stumble into it, but you can't stumble into good health. You need to be more intentional about that. And that's kind of where we're having this conversation right now. And then better health is a decision. Think about that for a minute. So I'm going to ask you a couple questions. Are you sitting on the fence, still wobbling back and forth? Think about going all in and making the necessary changes with your health. This is a tough conversation. It's a tough conversation to have with yourself, but it's exactly where we need to begin. Like, what do you want? So I think sometimes when we get into behavior change, that we have to step back for a second and say, like, where am I? Am I ready to make that decision? Because a better health is a decision. So again, it is a big decision. Many people are confused when it comes to their health. There's an incredible amount of information, again, we're talking about medical literacy, to sift through and determine what's good, bad, or indifferent. So again, it's a big deal, and everyone is taking a different path. I always begin my events talking about working at Butternut Bread and Frito-Lay and, and, and talking about how I was raised and unhealthy foods. And a big part of that is I want the audience to understand that Everybody's in a different place. So some people are more skilled, some are less skilled, some are 
more healthy than un, or unhealthy. But the point of it is, is that everybody's in a different place and everybody's taking a different journey and that's okay. But I believe everybody wants to feel good and there are endless ways to make us feel good temporarily. But there's a better, more sustainable way to help you feel and be your best long term. Now, I love telling this story and I've told it multiple times, but the name of the story is called It's Never Too Late. So years ago, I received a phone call from one of my longtime friends. I used to work with this guy. His name is Mike Combs. He's from he's in Cincinnati, Ohio. He's running three clubs at the time. He's the executive director. And he calls me up and I had spoke to uh, his crowd. His, he had three clubs. I spoke to all three clubs multiple times over a three or four year period. And I was coming back to Cincinnati and he says, hey, I know you're coming back to Cincinnati in a few weeks and I want to tell you a story. And I said, we have a, a member here that was in your seminars three, four years ago and I got to tell you about her transformation. At the time, she started her journey at 65 years old. She's on 16 medications. She's 365 pounds and she wants to have lunch with you when you come down. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, tell me more. Well, she's 365 pounds, started her journey, but today, today she's under 200 pounds. She's lost over 165 pounds and she's whittled her medications down. I think she's on three medications. I go, I can't wait. So I go down to Cincinnati and have lunch with her, her and her husband. And she wants to tell me all the things she did to get where she's at. She started, quit drinking diet soda and started drinking mineral water with a splash of juice and started doing the cod liver oil and started taking water exercise classes. And one thing led to another and she kept bringing up that you talked a lot about doing one step at a time. And so I kept thinking, I can do that. But then you also talked a lot about the why. And that's really what I wanted to know. I kind of knew how she did it, but I want to know her why. And she said, well, my why was my husband, Clarence. Clarence has two loves in his life. His first love is his love for me. And she starts to smile and he starts to smile. And his second love is his love for motorcycles. Clarence hadn't written a motorcycle in over, I think, 25 to 30 years because Joan was too busy to ride a motorcycle with him. So she said, every time that I felt like giving up, I kept thinking about my husband, Clarence, and riding that motorcycle. And so today, again, they've been married 40 plus years, but today they're in a motorcycle club in their 70s. Again, it's a powerful driver. It's a powerful why. But she created that powerful emotion around her love for her husband. And that was a leverage for her new behaviors. And so when you're trying to think about what, what could you change, if you could change anything about your health, we have to create some leverage about your why, your powerful why along the way. But that, that helps create that new future along the way. And I'm going to kind of end with this. So again, here's another question. Are you living your best life? That's sometimes not easy to answer. I think we all have ups and downs in our life. But what is your vision for your future? Does your health really matter? Imagine having greater energy and greater vitality, how would this impact your future? Are you thriving or just surviving? What new worlds do you want to emerge? So again, big part of that is asking those questions to yourself, like be intentional. What do I want my future to look like? And here comes another one. Are you ready for a change? 
when I'm speaking at, at any live event, again, many live events are coming back, but I like to end each event by asking the audience a few simple questions. First, are you ready? Are you ready to make a change? The audience always just goes crazy with this. Their hands go up. The, the noise increases. The energy goes up. And the answer is always yes. And here comes the second question. Are you able? Are you able to make a change? Do you have the necessary skills to make that change? Again, hands go shooting up. Audience gets crazy. Everyone says yes. A loud, robust voice. But here comes the moment of truth. Are you willing? Are you willing to get a little uncomfortable? Are you willing to put in the necessary effort to create sustainable change? Are you willing to take that first step? Unfortunately, not everyone is fired up as they were just a minute ago. Now they realize to change, they must put in the work. And not everyone is ready to put in the work. Willing is a choice. So as you can hear from Joan's story, climbing any mountain begins by taking one step at a time. We all have bridges to cross, and now is the time to cross your bridge. And remember, you don't have to cross any of these bridges alone. So back to the original question today. You have control of your health. Are you willing to make that change? We'll see you next time.